In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. All right, well, if any week showed us that baseball wasn't boring and it was this past week i I think that a a ball didn't have to be thrown a a a bat didn't have to be swung for this to be one of the most frenetic weeks that we've ever seen we we kicked it off last week with with obviously with our guy ed han and and the free agent outlook last week heading into the winter meetings and now and now and now we have a whole week to soak it in ed we have a whole week to just sit back and say all right, these guys are off the board. What do we got left? And and you know what? I mean, that's the thing that's baffling about it. Or not baffling, but that's the thing that is, is people forget about this, is that we get so caught up in the shock and the awe of the winter meetings that we forget, like, that is what? Like 5% of of the free agents. It's it's crazy. But then, anyway, did you have a good weekend? Uh, I had a great week. A very, <laughs> a very sleepless week, I would say. Um you know, there was just so much going on, and it was a lot of fun kind of tracking all of the the moves. It's a little more fun for some people, I think, depending on which fan base you're in. But yeah. there was a well, lot. There was a lot. You know, we were, I think we were talking about this a little bit in the past that some, you know, in recent years, winter meetings been a little bit of a dud. Not this year. Nah, although, although still no press conferences. No press conferences, which is they had the whole thing set up, the whole press the podium and they had some other, you know, hall of fame stuff or whatever, but no player acquisition press conferences, which makes me sort of sad. Let me ask you this. So I was obviously, you know, I flew out to San Diego on Tuesday morning and I get out there and everybody's like, Oh, where were you on Monday? I'm like, you tell me what happened on Monday. I'll tell you what happened. Rick Purcella retired. So, (laughs) uh, but you know, so I got out on Tuesday morning and usually that's what happened. It takes a little bit to get going. Then Tuesday happens, and then um, then you you know obviously Wednesday a ton of stuff happens, and I get on the red eye Wednesday night, and you know the whole Red Sox front office is on it, and so forth and so on. But I get back, and but you know you you get off that flight, and it's there's a lot to happen, but everything that happened, Ed, was seemingly seemingly like in the middle of the night, right? So oh, yeah. I, I can't imagine. So I told you this, where Tuesday I'm traveling all day. I get there, and one of the things that you do at the winter meetings is you li- you hang out at the bar that night. It's, it's schmoozing. It's like the ultimate baseball schmooze fest. And I got, I'm like, I can't. I just crashed. I couldn't do it. And it was a good thing that I did because the next day, me, Brian Hoke of MLB.com covers the Yankees, and Sean Casey were the only one in the hotel lobby at 6 a.m., when the Aaron Judge stuff really started breaking, but I, you, for you being you're on the East Coast, it must have been like 
I, are you a guy that that you didn't want to go to bed or you wanted to get up really early? Like, how did that work for you? Um, well, it, it's kind of funny that you mentioned it with Judge because it was kind of it was kind of like the duality of man for me over that day because I woke up a little late that day, checked my phone to MLB trade rumors, which is kind of the first thing I do when I wake up these days and see, oh, Aaron Judge signed. There was a little bit of chaos yesterday because they had said that he signed with the Giants. Oh, guess not. He signed with the Yankees. He's going home. So that was pretty cool. And then, you know, a little while later, I was working from home. So this was all sort of I'm trying to balance my actual day job with this. But Kenley Jansen gets signed to the Red Sox. So, oh, hey, they're making a move. You know, moves keep on happening throughout the day. You have uh, Yoshida going to the Red Sox, all this other stuff happening. Yeah. And then end of the day, end of the day. I'm ready to go to bed. You know, we're hearing about negotiations, Carlos Correa, Dansby Swanson, Xander Bogarts, this and that. I get into bed, can't quite fall asleep. So what do I usually do when I can't sleep? I check my phone and it's maybe a <laughs> little bit past midnight. And I check Twitter and I'll, all I see is this tweet from John Heyman. Bogarts to the Padres, 280 million. 11 years and guess who's not sleeping after that yeah so did you i mean did you go to back to sleep at, at all um around maybe 3 30 in the morning i did i was because it wasn't even you know full disclaimer I'm, I'm a red sox fan but i don't really get terribly phased by free agency moves or players leaving that are so-called irreplaceable because at the end of the day everything's replaceable it might take a little while but you know these things have a way of balancing out. I think that's on the Red Sox bumper stickers. At the end of the day, everything's replaceable. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that that's their I slogan. I think maybe they should do that. I don't think it would be good for PR or anything for them right now. <laughs> but no, it was just, but it does really shake up the landscape because you have somebody that wasn't expected to get this many years or this much money getting this many years and this much money. Trey Turner's only getting what, like $20 million more than him? Yeah. That's, that is, if you were to ask me who I thought was getting a deal like that, it would have been maybe Turner. None of, maybe Corio would probably get longer than that, but maybe not by much. I was I was pretty shocked, and it kind of makes you go in and just have to look at the rest of this and think, where is the market now? Well, I mean, where I think it's, it's, it's going to be costing. Yeah, it's not only Bogarts. I mean, it's all these deals. You go across the board, and, and honestly – is really like the Senga deal. Um, the uh, the Senga deal really was one that you like. Some people said, "Oh well, you know that's not as much as we thought it would be." But other than that, there hasn't been a whole lot. And you know, I tweet this out, Ed. Before we get to and what we want to do is we want to look at the the available free agents going forward, which we're going to have to post this really really quick because they might turn over. This is the this is our lot in life. There's a lot going on here on this podcast by the way. So we're going to kick things off in style Monday with this podcast at 6 a.m. Eastern and then uh and then a little bit later in the day we'll have a sit down with the aforementioned High and Bloom. I think we have some questions to ask him. So um Are you saying I'm I'm Hyam's opening act? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. There's no pressure there. Rob. There, there, there you go. So, uh, <laughs> it, yeah, if you, if you know, I, I would love to get on another guy I would love to get on is AJ Preller. I mean, like, obviously, you know, Heim is top of mind for a lot of baseball fans right now. I would also love to talk to AJ Preller just about sort of that dynamic. Um, and, and, you know, 
with all these guys, I think the consensus with everybody in the market, whether it was with the Bogarts thing or whatever it is, like I said, other than Senga, everyone's been blown away by these deals. And everybody now, now you have the waiting game where you say, I think I can do better. And I think it can do better. I can think I can do better. And you look at Carlos Rondon. I mean, I think that that's a, a perfect example of this, where this is a guy who is going to make his money. I mean, there, there's no question about it. If there was any question or a Chris Bassett, we're going to compare the two in a second. But both those guys, if there was any question, remember there used to be this conversation with starting pitchers. Oh, is he going to get four years? Is he going to get three years? Now it's like, is he going to get seven years? It's crazy. I mean, but second was that was a little bit of a surprise, though, I have to say. Yeah, I was very, I was very surprised that it would, if you had told me he was getting 90 million seven years, I would have been like, yeah, that's the market right now. Five years, what was it, 65 million, 75 million? Uh, 75 million. Yeah. Yeah. For five years. Yeah. I would, I did not see that coming, especially. Yeah. With no, with no qualifying offer attached, which everyone thought this guy was sitting pretty because of that. But hey, listen, I mean, it's still good money. But there's there's still a lot of these guys, and we we're not yeah sure you know Bogarts gets his eleven years, Turner gets his money, Judge obviously got his money. I mean, there's I don't know what there's left to say about about that. He had a great contract year. He got the Padres involved. Uh, he got the Giants involved, and he made a, a crap more money than he actually was going to make if he signed that deal. The asking price at the beginning of the year. All right, you know that has been that has come and gone. We know exactly what happened with Aaron Judge, but now you have a lot of guys who aren't going to get the 10-year deals, but they're going to make a lot of money. And they're going to also be – it isn't a great free agent class, but there are valuable guys. Like another one, Nimmo, right? Nimmo uh, signing back with the Mets. I mean, Mets, uh, you know, I mean, they they just don't care. I mean, they're, they're, they're like the, the the next tier of we just don't care right below t- San Diego. But, um, you know, because I thought for sure, Ed, that Nimmo was going to go to Toronto. I thought for sure he was going to go to Toronto. I, I didn't think they would settle for Kiermaier. Yeah, the writing was on the wall there, and it didn't happen. I'm also surprised they settled for Kiermaier and not Benintendi, because that seemed like their fallback plan. But I guess well, they saw something they liked there with Kiermaier. Yeah, well, and that also speaks to, well, what is Benintendi? Does Benintendi see blood in the water when it comes to, like, hey, everyone's getting paid? You know, I'm going to ask for this. And maybe Toronto just said, well, no, we're good. We got enough. We got a good enough lineup. We can deal with a Kiermaier instead of Benintendi. But uh, let me people, have, oh, sorry. No, go, I was go just going to say that the thing that people sometimes forget with these free agency classes and these long term deals is that next year there's going to be another there's going to be another class. So why would you invest in a guy for seven years now when you can invest in someone for six years that might be better next year? It's, a, it's, it's you know it, it's a great point, and I don't think one that's been brought up enough where everyone gets all hot and bothered about well you aren't spending you aren't doing this you aren't doing that. Well, if you think that the next market is better or you you have your eye on the, the next player, then then you're going to do it. If someone was really wanting to save all their chips for an Otani and make yep. a run at them. Or like, Juan Soto. Right, or Juan Soto. I mean, this is I don't think that's said enough. Everyone just expects everyone's team ever going to be spending money all over the place all the time. But that's a very real thing. So, um yeah, so I mean, maybe that's why uh, the Red Sox didn't sign Bogarts. Anyway, uh, they're going after Otani. Um, okay, well, let's start here. Let's start with the. We always love the comparison talk. We had Verlander versus Degrom. Um, we had the shortstops. Now we're going to do Bassett versus Rodon. 
I want you to state your case for each one, and then I want you to give your synopsis on who you would pick. If you were if you were GM at hand, who would you pick? Oh, man. And that's a really good question that I've actually gone back and forth on, because I will admit, every now and then with my tracker, I try to be as set as possible with it, where once they've been put on, they stay in their spot, they don't move. But I did swap these guys. This specific two, they were 9 and 10, and they flipped between 9 and 10 and 9 and 10 with each other. I'm not going to say who until the end of this, though. But here's okay. my synopsis of each of them. Carlos Rodon might have the best pure stuff of any free agent available short of Jacob DeGrom. Okay. What he's done in the last two years with San Francisco, and I believe the first year with the with the White Sox, has been nothing short of living up to his potential when he was a super early pick for the White Sox. He's just had injuries get in his way his entire career. Um, but he's been absolutely lights out and pitched every bit like a true ace. Um, now, he only pitched 23 starts in 2021. He made it. He made a full season this year. I think it was 168 innings, which is a career high for him. So, and the strikeouts were over 200. I mean, he was just categorically an incredible pitcher all season for the Giants. The weakness there is obviously the injury history. Um, he's going to be 30 this year. And, you know, you once you hit there, it becomes a little bit more of a risk. Now, you can say he was healthy this year. He was mm-hmm. more or less healthy the year before that. So maybe that's not an issue. But if you're going to commit to a guy for seven years that's had all of these issues and just pitch the most innings of his career and is at, at the age that he's at now, you know, there's there are some red flags there. Um so while he's definitely the highest reward, there's a lot more risk on him than um, his opponent in this scenario, which is Chris Bassett. And Bassett is just as steady as they come. You know, he's not somebody that's going to overwhelm you with his numbers. He's not really a number one, but he's either a low tier number two or a high tier three without a lot of risk. You know, he had like, I think a 3.42 ERA, made all of his starts, just a total workhorse. So it really comes down to what your team is looking for. Do you need that one pitcher that could potentially put you over the top? Mm. Or do you need a steady piece in your work, in your rotation, just a workhorse to get you into the playoffs? And then you can stick him as like your number three guy there. That's what this argument comes down between. Very Um, well, very well said, very well articulated. So now the owner comes down. And said, all right, we got this money. We need a starting pitcher. Ed, GM Ed, what do you got? Who are you, who are you, who are you giving us? I'm going to need to add. So I'm going to tell you how I rank them. I put initially, I put. Is this what you're saying the owners? Is that what you're saying the owners? All right, just hear me yeah. out. Okay, this, is, no, this is my ranking list, buddy. Yeah, yeah, well, let yeah. me ask you this. What's the team trying to do this year? Who do they have in the rotation? They're trying to win, man. Like, the, yeah. The, if, they're, if you're trying to win, if you're going for it this year, yeah. give me a run on. Okay. Give I mean, you, yeah, usually like usually if you're going to pay a starting yeah. pitcher, whatever you're going to have to pay these guys, you're 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 probably in somewhat of a win now mode. You know, yeah. and, and, and and I don't think there's anybody, any team that would say, "Here we got this guy and and four schlubs," you know, and, and no, I mean, it's they probably have somebody else. But yeah, I would say win now mode. So Redone. Yeah, I I say you go for Redone there. The difference and I, it's the, the real difference is it depends on the shape of your rotation, because if you have a couple of guys that have very high ceilings, but high injury risks, 
I think that you want the steadier guy who maybe can, you know, you hope that a few of those guys can stay healthy. You don't want to add another potential injury risk into that pile. But if you're on the precipice, you have a rotation, you know your guys are there and you need that piece to put you over the edge, it's Renown. And there's no, you know, you throw whatever money you can because guys like him don't grow on trees. Well, yep, there you go. All right. Well, that's how, listen, I'm right there with you. I'm not, I'm not going to argue with you at all because I, I love, I think that Radon, like you said, like Bassett's solid, right? But Radon is a guy that he, he, yes, he's had some injuries, but he may have figured some things out. I think that not only in terms of staying healthy, but I think he may have figured some things out in terms of like actually becoming a pitcher. So there you go. And, and, you know, I think we're going to have on a little bit later in this week is Brian Bannister, who obviously worked with, uh, you know, with Giants and, you know, is very familiar with Radon and, and like the evolution of these guys. And that's a big part of it. I read uh, the piece Ken Rosenthal put up today, look at this sort of thoughts on, on the market. And he was talking about how one of the takeaways is that like the older players are being accepted more or the like they they actually think they're going to get contracts because Ed before they would fit panic if they're like oh no I got to get my big contract here because if I if I my contract ends at 35 and 36 I'm done now they're thinking no I'm going to get another contract I think a lot of guys I, I agree with Rosenthal with that no question yeah and I think a lot of that just has to do with conditioning the guy they've they've figured out I think more ways to stay healthy longer and that's you know that's really good for them and it's good for the game. Yeah, well, there you go. And it is always good for the game when people understand that, you know what, don't kick a guy at the curb because you have a 25-year-old with a good spin rate. All right. But he has a 6 ERA. All right. Um, so let's go through the the available free agents as we sit here. As we do this podcast, as we sit here, um, let's go through some of these guys. And who's our guy? You don't even have our guy on here. What's going on? What's what's which guy? Our, the the our, our our designated free agent. Oh <laughs> yeah, Mister um, Alfaro, because he's yeah, not fun. quite at the. He'd be the next guy on that list. So let's just add him to it. I All gave right. um I gave a list of the top free agent catchers, and I did leave Jorge Alfaro. Jorge Alfaro is is clearly wait, waiting out the market, and he's going to land somewhere and have a huge year. You're yeah. welcome, Jorge Alfaro. He just wants he just wants to see where the other catchers are going to exactly, go. Exactly. Exactly. So let's start there. So um, the catcher that seems to be gaining a lot of steam recently, and uh, it's a good thing we're doing this podcast now because I got a feeling he's going to be signed in the next couple of days, is Vasquez. Yeah. And and I do know, you know, so he has a very real market at a couple of different places. I think a lot of people thought he was going to land in St. Louis, the, the, no question about it, before Contreras did. Um, but the Twins, I think, is a very real scenario for him. Um, there's a couple others, but you know he he does. Ha- I think Vasquez does have a market, which which again speaks to sort of where the market is. Where a lot of people thought, oh, look at what he did in the second half against H- with Houston and uh, in the regular season, and he really his market really was devalued. No man, like he, he you know what I said this at the time, Ed. I don't know if we've talked about this, but the postseason is such a, a bizarrely powerful thing. Christian Vasquez made himself so much money off of one game. One game. He did. I mean, yeah. because – because and really that whole run of going, say, look at how many runs the Houston Astros pitchers gave up when he was catching, but in particular catching a no-hitter with all those pitchers 
having to bob and weave his way through that, that says something about the guy. And doing it on the biggest stage, you guys make so much money by doing it on that biggest stage. Anyway, um, of the catchers, which ones, uh, any anything intrigue you about the, any the three of them? I mean, Vasquez is very just, he's been very reliable. Um, you know, he's one of these guys that never puts up these amazing, you know, all-star MVP stats, but he's extremely reliable, especially, especially with his bat from the catching position. The defense and the arm are good. He can obviously catch a rotation as we saw in the World Series, as you were saying, with that no hitter that he caught. Um, he's he's a starter, and there aren't a lot of starters that are no risk at the catching position. Hmm. And I mean, I say when I say no risk, I mean everything's relative. But he's a pretty safe bet. Yeah, Narvaez and Zanino, uh, and and you know our guy Alfaro. But I think of the guys who are left, and this is why he's getting a lot of interest because once Contreras came off the board, all right, you need a starting catcher or a guy who's going to play, let's yeah. say sixty to seventy five percent of the time. You know, that's Vasquez. Yeah. Um, so outfield is officially thinned out, my friend. <laughs> it's officially thinned out. Um, so you have Benintendi and Profar. All right. Yep. Let's let's play the game. Which one you want? Um, of those two, I go Benintendi. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it, that'll be interesting. I mean, I think he's another guy. Benintendi is another guy where a lot of people, if you asked in the middle of the year. Oh, you know, even though he was having a good year, well, what's his market going to be? Oh, well, you know, he doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. But it, it's such a thin, like, outfield market. Now that Nimmo's off the board, too. Well, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah. So that makes sense. Benintendi's kind of a weird player, too, just in that it's hard to really get a feel for what kind of player he is. He's had years where he hit home runs. He's had years where he can't stay healthy. He's had years where he, you know, is a 2020 player. What's the real Andrew Benintendi? He hit like 320-something last year, high batting average, good defense, five home runs. Is that who he is? He had 17 home runs the year before that. It's, it, you know, if you're going to be invested yeah, but in I think guy, it's a, I think it's a you park, you know, and I think it's, I mean, he just became a doubles hitter. I mean, he went to Kansas City, and that's what I think Kansas City was banking on, to be honest with you. So, um, yeah, I, you know, like he's got, this is going to be his contract. So I don't think he's going to be like, I can't go there because of the park. But if, if you're the, the owner of the park, you better buyer beware when it comes to Ben and Tandy. Well, right, do you think so, that if he hadn't gotten hurt with the Yankees and that short portion, right, we would have seen a rise in his power? No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I, I, don't, I, I honestly don't. I don't. I, I mean, I would have to look at the spray charts, but watching him, like, that's not his That's not his game. Like, honestly, and I remember talking to guys in Kansas City about this when he's traded. I'm like, yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense. That's his game. And the most bizarre thing was when he was with the Red Sox and comes out in 2019 and, and you know, it bulked and, and is doing like 400-pound bench press and saying, I'm going to hit more home runs and look at the launch angle. And then for some reason, Alex Cora flip-flops him at Mookie Bass at the top of the order. And so, like, Benintendi flat out said, I'm going to try to hit a home run in the first pitch in Seattle. And that's he didn't stop trying to hit home runs from there. So it was just like that whole thing. That I think he settled in in Kansas City. And I think he would have done okay with the Yankee, although he got off to a bad start and then got hurt. But, you know, I th- listen, I mean, I think that he gets devalued too much. He's a good player. He's, he is. Not, he's not an all-star player probably, but he's a good player. He's sort of like Dansby Swanson in some ways, I feel like, because well, he does, does get devalued by comparison with the people that he's up against. I, I remember we used to have a debate uh, 
it was it was a fun debate because if you look at that draft class where you had Swanson, um, you had Swanson, Bregman, and Benintendi, and Bregman sort of pulled away. From, uh, I mean, Swanson's there, but it it was a there's different times where we've surfaced that debate, and and all three of them have had like the top, the upper echelon, mostly Bregman, but still. It's it's a pretty good one because they're all sort of different players and unique players. All right, um, here you go. Speaking of Swanson, who you go? GM, the <laughs> owners coming down. GM Ed say for, now this. I'm gonna. Uh, this is a caveat. I'm gonna say this is you know you're factoring in how much it's gonna cost years of money to sign these guys. So as a smart GM, who you got? Dansby Swanson or Carlos Correa? Knowing what the market's asking right now. Honestly, and I'm going to catch some flack for this. I'm going Swanson if it's entirely financial. Because okay. I think there's less, I think there's a lot less risk and Corey is just going to get so much. Now, if you're one piece away from, you know, one piece away, you just need your superstar shortstop. Then you take Corey. If I'm the Red Sox, I'm taking Corey over Swanson to fill in for Bogarts. But just for your average team, I think that Swanson is more desirable because he's going to provide you very strong defense. He's going to hit pretty well. He's going to play every game. You're going to get a solid ball player out of him. Yeah, and and I was talking. I did. We did a podcast with uh, Mark Bowman, the Braves writer for MLB.com. He was great talking, giving us insight with Swanson because you know we don't get a chance. Not everyone gets a chance to see a ton of Danby Swanson unless you're really seeking out good hair. But it's <laughs> it's it's one of these things where he was like he he actually looks for for the not the drama isn't the right word. He doesn't shy away from the spotlight, and he talked about going back to Vanderbilt, going back to obviously postseason experience. But that's one thing I think that there's a misperception about Danby Swanson. Oh, he came from you know sort of the out-of-the-way Atlanta Braves. He was one of a piece. Um, you know, if you don't hear a ton about him, so forth and so on. Oh, he'll he'll wilt in these big markets. Like Mark didn't think so. Mark thought just the opposite. Yeah, no, and I agree. You know, there's a quote that I really, really love. It might be my favorite baseball quote. It's from Hodes Wagner, and it's, there is not much to being a ball player if you're a ball player. Dansby Swanson is a ball player. When I think of that quote, that's the first person that comes to mind is Dansby Swanson. And I think he is just one of these guys that any team he goes to is going to be happy with him. See, if I was the owner and you told me that, I would have signed the guy. That's all you got to do. You don't say that. You don't, <laughs> don't get your rankings involved. Just uh, give, give that quote and say, that's the guy. There you go. All right. Well, that's a good one. I like that. Uh, I'm going to skip over the infield because I, I don't care about Segura or Drury. Um <laughs> I don't, I mean, honestly. Uh, but, you know, the DH position is sort of interesting because we're not really talking a whole lot about the DH position. And and one of the good things about the winter meetings this year was they had the WBC press conference and and they had all the different managers from all the different countries that set up at a table. So I was able to talk to Nelson Cruz and I asked him, I was asking a lot of it on a, a, a later podcast, but I asked him about sort of the, the, the DH and the value in the DH because – you know, one of the things about DH is, as J.D. Martinez found out this year, um, is that you have to evolve. You have to evolve. You get older. You have to evolve how you prepare. You can't, you know, sure, if you're younger, you can just jump in and say, let me hit. 
But as you get older, it doesn't work that way unless you're David Ortiz and you know, <laughs> talk, talking on the phone and saying, putting it down and saying, okay, wait a second, I'll be right back and go hit a home run. But but still, it's 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 a unique position, but a hugely important position. And all you need to know is that Tampa, this 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 club who is perceived as, oh, we're going to get like a bunch of these parts and put them together and win a win. Well, they went out and got Nelson Cruz. They knew how important that was. So you have right now on your list left uh, J.D. Martinez, Turner, and Mancini. Um, what I mean, all good players. I think that you know J.D. I think will have a semi of a bounce back year. You know, Turner's a solid player. Mancini obviously a solid player. Um, if you again, if you had to, I mean, I guess what J.D. would have the most upside of those guys, right? Even those age. His bat does. The the, yeah. the problem, and the only difference I think where he's a bit weaker is that you can't really play J.D. Martinez on the field. He right. has to be the D.H. You can't use him to spell a guy at third base for a game. Or Trey Mancini plays outfield. He can play first base, so you can use him at those spots. With J.D., he's kind of your D.H. or bust at this point. I do think that he does. He has the highest ceiling as far as uh, just pure off from a pure offensive standpoint. But, you know, do you want your team to be kind of locked into that? Or do you want to be able to use the DH spot to get guys off their feet for a day also? Yeah, it's, and I'm sure that Scott Boris is trying to sell everyone's head because this is what J.D. said at the end of the year. I want to play more outfield. And, and I don't think he's a bad outfielder, honestly. I think he's he's just, you know, he's limited in terms of range. But he has a super accurate arm. And he gets what the balls he gets to, he makes the play. But I mean, what are you talking about? You're talking about 10 to 20 games or something like that. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what any of those guys, if anyone's going to pay you know, in this, this market's rate. If, if I think that they're still kind of probably wait these guys out. I don't think, cause I don't think anyone's desperate to have any of these guys, to be honest with you. I don't know how you feel, but not uh, yet. We'll see not. in a few weeks. Uh, cause that can change in a hurry. Well, right. It's, it's, exactly. You know, you know, it's interesting because the trade market hasn't really gotten going yet. So I think that we'll start seeing more of these guys on the move once trades are made. Mm, but- yeah, it's a good point. And if I'm these guys, if I get a offer, I do it before the trades get going. Because if, if you know, you don't want to be left out when all of a sudden trades start flying and then the musical chairs has you has you left out because they filled that spot with a trade. Um, all right. Well, all right. So now we have starting pitchers and – uh, you have three here, and it's a Valdi qualifying offer. And uh, this is obviously not the starting pitches we already talked about with Bass. Yeah, this is the next tier of them. Next tier, yeah. So uh, of the three, Avaldi, Waka, and uh, Syndergaard, only one has a qualifying offer, and that's Nathan Avaldi. Yeah. Um, so I, I, my guess of this group, who would be getting the best deal, honestly, is probably Michael Walker because he doesn't have a qualifying offer. And he's only, I, only what, 30 years old. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, there were some reports about Syndergaard, uh, his velocity being down a little bit. He had an okay year, not a great year. Waka had a very good year, missed about a month, but, you know, pitched the best baseball of his career since he was in St. Louis. Um you know, like people are pretty high on him right now, and I could see him. I, I mean, there's the risk with Ivaldi is the is the qualifying offer, like you said, and you know he's been through two Tommy John surgeries already. Yeah, there's but you know what? Still, like I mean, of the three, I mean, I think Syndergaard is behind the other two, no question. But the qualifying offer is going to be the tough one for him. And like I reported today, 
Um, you know, the, the Red Sox have sort of, they are behind the rest of the field when it comes to the interest in Evaldi, which, you know, that's for their prerogative. And, but, the, you know, they don't have to pay the qualifying offer. Maybe they're just riding out the market. They make the, they milk, make a low level, um, uh, multi year offer to him, see if he takes it. He doesn't take it. They make the qualifying offer. He doesn't take it. All right. You know, come back to us, uh, if, if you get a better offer. And if they didn't have that offer, I think that Nathan Avaldi would be getting a really, really nice contract. I do. Oh yeah, no, he would have signed by now. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I think it'll happen this week, though. Um, all right. Well, so now you have some interesting relief pitchers, and we saw like you say Kenley John- Jensen come off the board, which I, we, Mia Culpa, by the way, Mia Culpa, right? I have to admit, I told you here, there's yep. no way. I I saw no way. The Heimblum was going to spend that money on Kenley Jansen. I apologize a thousand times because he spent it. Now, was it good investment? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It, it, I, I'll say this is that it, this comes back to what I tweeted today is that we can't be hypocrites here, right? If you like a guy, then you have to overpay for him. That's how the world works. So when they overpay for Kenley Jansen, even though by all accounts, you know, he's there's some red flags because even though he had all the saves, he is wasn't the guy that we remember from from 2017, certainly with the Dodgers. Um, you know, we don't know what he's going to be like. And he's a nice guy, but we don't know how a club being a closer in Boston, how, how that's going to be. And a subtle little sneaky thing. And I think that Mark Bowman brought this up too, like, the slowest pitcher in baseball, right? Right? I mean, the slowest yeah. pitcher in baseball, and we don't know how that's going to affect a guy like this. We don't. So, you know, again, it's a, it's a side note, but an interesting one. So you have the you have that. Um, you obviously have some other guys come off the board, uh, but but left is Ottavino, Fulmer, Chafin, and more. Um, yep. Two righties, two lefties. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like – uh, of, the, of these guys, like Ottavino is the one that sort of intrigues me the most, and not just because we saw him pitch, but a lot, but but because of what he did with the Mets. I mean, it was kind of insane, and and still, like I would not, I would not ever put Adam Ottavino in the spot where a lot of people wanted to, like, oh, here's a closer, or here's a, you, you pick your spots with him if for no other reason he can't hold guys on. And by the way, that that's another thing that's going to be we're going to have to see this year. Like, the people are going to be stealing a lot more. So, anyway, what's your take on these guys? Um, so, Adovino is really interesting, like you said, and it's partially because his control just improved substantially this season. That was the big difference between him with the Mets and, honestly, even his really strong seasons with the Yankees. Um, he just wasn't walking people. And that is that has not been his game through his career. So, the question becomes, do you, is this change for real? Or does his control revert a little bit and he's walking people again? Um, I think that he's a solid setup guy. I agree. Probably not your best guy for a closer for the raw, what you've said. I'm really intrigued by Michael Fulmer Mm -hmm. because of, you know, he was rookie of the year with the Tigers. Great pedigree, used to be a starter. He's done a very, quietly done a very good job with the Tigers um, in kind of a late inning role. And I think that, you know, the Tigers... We don't really hear a lot about their guys there. 
Mm-hmm. But he's somebody that I think could step into um, a role with somebody kind of under the radar and do very well. Um, by the w- by, the way, we talk about and all these guys are going to get paid. They all, you know oh, how I God, know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mentioned Kenley Jansen, but I also missed another one, a guy who's going to be on this very podcast dropping on Thursday at six a.m. And that's uh, new Philly, the newest Philly relief pitcher, Matt Strom. Matt Strom, yeah. Matt Strom got two years. Good for him, man. Good for him. Yeah, um, nice. Like a one year, one year, three million dollar deal. He gets a what was it? it was two years, uh, sixteen something. Like I think that? It was two years, fifteen something. 15, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, good for him. And and uh, and I'm anxious to talk to him about sort of that process and how that shook out. But um, you see a guy, and that's the ultimate. You see a guy, you go after him, you pay him. It's the same, same again. Same thing with Canley. And I think some of these other guys, you know, that was a thing. Remember, Ed, out of the gate. That the relief market was the thing that everyone's like, oh man, like they're paying money. That was the first sign this is going to be insane. Yeah. Um, but relievers, good relievers kind of can come out of anywhere. Um, and when you look at the other two guys here, Andrew Chafin and Matt Moore, nobody thought anything was going to happen with Matt Moore. And he was one of the best lefties in baseball last year mm. um, for the Rangers. Uh, converted starter guy who did well in Tampa early in his career, kept getting hurt. I think he went overseas at one point. But you can reinvent yourself as a reliever. And a lot of these guys, they're starters, they're starters, they're starters. They get put in for one, and suddenly they add another four mile an hour to their fastball because they can just air it out. You can get value on relievers, I think, in a way that's harder to do for any other position because you can take a, a starter that isn't able to start successfully and just put him into that one inning role. A lot of the best closers started as starting pitchers. Yeah, and then they realize it's a lot easier to become a reliever. Um, all right, so when we talk next, oh, no, let me ask you this: the of your list of your excellent, excellent free agent list, um, what is the who is the next guy, the highest ranked guy that's coming off next? Um, well, just because I think I heard you say that you think it's happening next week, I'm going to say Evaldi. <laughs> oh, where do you have him? What rank? Uh, he's like 23rd or 24th. If you want, oh, you, if you want oh, like top, yeah. Top yeah, go 20. ahead. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you don't think Correa is going to sign this week? You don't think uh, Turner's going to? I mean, uh, Swanson's going to sign this week? <laughs> I think Swanson's going to sign this week. I think Swanson, yeah. I think, I think Vasquez is going to yeah. sign really quick. I think the negotiations with Corey might drag a little bit just because of how much he's trying to get and for how long. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I could see Swanson signing pretty soon. He just got married. Um, I could see him being a fit with the Cubs just because his now wife plays soccer there. Um, yeah, that seems like a good one. I mean, Vasquez, probably a good bet. Um, the relief market seems to have slowed down a bit, so I'm not really sure when we're going to start seeing those guys go. But mm. yeah, I'd say I'd say Swanson. How about Radon and Bassett? Which goes first? Bassett. Okay. Yeah, I think I'd go Bassett of the two. Because again, right. same thing. I think Radon's going to be looking for a and, bigger deal, and, and teams and, are going to hold out yeah. on that. And both guys are going to the Mets, by the way. So oh no, I think. You can say and you can tell me anybody in free agency is going to the Mets, yeah, and I believe yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Padres. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. we're gonna find out for sure. Can you buy a World Series team? We're gonna find that out this year. Well, I mean, they, the Padres kind of tried to do it, and they got in a little bit closer. They're they're yeah. getting there. They're eking there. You know, yeah. hundreds of millions of dollars at the time. Yeah, and yeah, and but I will say this is that you look at the teams that. You know, you look at the Phillies, you know, you can say they got Schwarber, they got Castellanos. Um, back, you know, they've got some other guys there. They paid some money. 
Um, you know, the Astros, to the Astros' credit, you know, they got rid of Correa, and then they fill in with one of the, the stars of the World Series in Pena. So, you know, it, it's it's funny. This I don't think there's a, a certain way to do things. I don't think you can – and I'll always be wary of spending too much money on uh, one guy because I don't know if you know this, they don't run isolations for outfielders. But it's 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 still you, you do need those guys. You de- you do need you need the guys at the key positions. I think I think that's that's really really important. And also, by the way, the guys who can sell the jerseys, the guys who can sell the tickets. Let's not forget about that dynamic because it's huge. That was huge with Judge too. And it's oh, going to be. Funny. I mean, oh my goodness, I can't wait to talk about the stuff with Otani next year. I will leave it at this. Shohei Otani. Are you sitting here next year? Five hundred million? Absolutely on the table. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely on the table. Is there? Because that's that's somebody with international marketability. Oh, it's there's nobody better for business, and obviously, you know, and he's a pretty good baseball player too. All right, Ed, good stuff, man. Good stuff. It's going to be the good news is that we don't have to go anywhere. Uh, we can just sit back and soak it all in. Little a little lower pressure. Um, but still, you know, it's, it's good to wake up every day and think that something's going to happen, but, uh, Absolutely. hopefully, hopefully nothing happens, uh, uh, between the time that we record this and, and the time it drops. So if it does, it does, whatever, <laughs> that's okay. But excellent job. Excellent job. Hey man, I'll see you next time. All right.